Hello and welcome to episode 5 of How Would You Run That? A Dungeons & Dragons podcast and ideas factory with me, Lucas Tomlinson. And me, Jake Hanna. In this podcast, we will be discussing some aspect of Dungeons & Dragons. An encounter, location, trap, puzzle, NPC, PC, god, magic item, or really anything that can exist in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Importantly, we'll then be asking each other the question, How Would You Run That? At the end of each episode, one of us will then reveal the topic for the next week and ask the other, how would you run that? Giving us a week to prepare, research and plan how we would run said thing. This week's episode is on the recurring villain. Lucas, how would you run that? Okay, so here's the thing. I was thinking before the podcast, like, you know, what what can I ask for sort of idle chit-chat section? Right. And uh, I thought, like, what's the worst thing that's happened to you this week? And I thought, that's terrible. Let's, let's keep it upbeat. So, Jake, you know... For the years of the public, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? The best thing that's happened to me this week? I had fish and chips last night, and it was glorious. Nice. And that was always great. I mean, it's been a while since I've just sampled the delights of the chippy, and given that I live right in the centre of the country, you know, I'm as far from the sea as you can possibly get. Mm. Fish is not exactly the delicacy of the area, but that was a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> what else has even happened to me this week? That's basically it. I mean... Fine. That's pretty exciting. That's more exciting than my week so far. Busy work week and it went alright, so... Yeah, nice. Cool. Pretty dandy, yeah. Good. Have I ticked the box of what happened this week? What's the best thing that happened to you this week? Oh, damn it. I should have thought... I should have seen this coming. Have you finished What's your bloody wardrobe yet? Yes. Wardrobe was built. I did that, what, week or Sunday? Mm-hmm. So just after we spoke last. Uh, and I've started filling it. It's got some clothes in it now. Okay, um, cool. As part of, like, room prep, we had to move all the clothes upstairs into the attic, out of the way. Yeah. Um, and now I've slowly started bringing things down, which, in all honesty, would probably be, like, a ten-minute job to go up and down the stairs a few times. But <laughs> I've told myself it's more efficient to, when I have to go upstairs, bring something with me. Right. So the, the times that I remember, I do. <clears throat> um, but it means I've still got, like, three stacks of T-shirts and some shorts up there that, you know, no rush. <laughs> it means that this ten-minute job has now lasted, what, two weeks? Well, yeah, it's a week and a half now. See, I feel like this this is the trap you put me in. Every time we have like this idle chit-chat, it's like, what is Charlotte going to be annoyed at you this week for? <laughs> like, just play me into a corner, Jake. Oh, I uh, found some teaspoons. Where were the teaspoons? The majority, yeah, the majority of the teaspoons were in the drying up place. They had all been washed up at the same time. God knows where they'd like spread themselves around the four corners of the planet before then, but they all seemed to come together in some sort of beautiful reunion of please wash me. Did Abby hear you recording that segment and during the time that you were in the room with the door closed, <laughs> used that time to collect the rogue teaspoons for wherever she'd hit them? Wouldn't put it past her. Mm. 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 Right, that's an idle chit-chat. Yes, good. Okay, let's move on. So today's actual podcast episode, the theme or the prompt is a recurring villain. So, Lucas, how would you run that? I instantly went to a Revenant for the recurring villain. You went to a what, sorry? A Revenant. A Revenant. Revenant. So, page 259 of the Monster Manual is mm. the Revenant. The Revenant's like, I realised last week we didn't really explain what Durgar were, we started talking about them. So, a Revenant, <laughs> right. for, for people that might not know, is a zombie-like creature. Like, it's a, basically, it's, it's someone who's died in some sort of terrible, horrible way whose soul is not yet allowed to leave for the afterlife. So yeah. 
they return to unlife so that they can pursue some goal. Like the idea of a ghost has like some unfinished purpose. A revenant yeah. has that, but its purpose is usually murder a specific person. Okay, cool. So they'll they'll try and do it. Uh, they might try and get help because they're an intelligent enough creature. Like if they think that it's going to be too tough to go direct. Yeah. They know at all times where their target is. And like, oh man, that's a power, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I thought like this would be a good way to get around the recurring part of that because for the most part, I guess anything that ends up in a combat encounter with a party is going to get killed. Yeah. So I saw I saw the recurring bit as the main issue. But okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so that, that's what I, that was my first thought. And, I, you know, I sort of mulled it over and I tried to find ways of making that a bit interesting. And, and it didn't really didn't really stick with me because, hmm. you know, the Reverend, when destroyed, re, you know, basically comes back within 24 hours. But the limiting factor for a Revenant is it's only got a year to fulfill its purpose. Okay, okay. So they only last for a year. If they don't do their purpose within a year, that's it. You know, time's up, Revenant's gone. Yeah. So I thought, meh, I don't, want to, I don't want to limit myself to something or I have to... Well, you can always explain it away, but I don't want to, really. I want something else. Mm. So I went back to the source books, looking around, and I came across something I thought was a bit more interesting. Cool. And, said thing, the Raven Queen. Ah. Because she is a pretty interesting goddess. Hmm. So I thought, I'd go for the... Like, I was reading through um, Mordenkind and Tome of Foos. Tomb of Foes. The Tomb of Foes. I was looking through Mordenkind's Tomb of Foes. Right. I'm familiar um, with that. And in there it's got a section on the Raven Queen and the Shadowfell and the Shadokai. And right. I, I sort of knew vaguely that the Shadokai, their souls return to the Shadowfell after they die. Hmm. I reread it and found that, yeah, their souls return and they're brought back to life. Like, they're basically immortal beings. Yeah. The Shadokai are what, what used to be a form of elf that dwell on the Shadowfell and hold the Raven Queen uh, and do her bidding. Sure. The Shadowfell being a different plane of existence mm-hmm. that is pretty much death-scape. Yeah, it's pretty grim. Black and white and magic doesn't work properly and everything's just yeah. minging. Yeah, so the Raven Queen, basically her motives are I want to capture memories and things that have emotional, you know, historical significance like collect stuff and souls and memories mm. and the shadow kai go out and do those things for her okay um and she gives them like vague signs to like you know she'll send out her crows to or oh, sorry her ravens not crows daft sends out her ravens mm. and like so the shadow kai go out and follow these ravens and do what they think she's telling them to do yeah but they'll go to a place and wait for something terrible to happen there like some miserable thing and then mm. capture that memory somehow or some item or a person or a soul and take it back to the Raven Queen uh, okay. thinking that's what she wants. Right. So, with that in mind, I thought, where can we get a group of edgy edgelords who edge edge <laughs> with horrible backstories that isn't reflected in the sort of jovial nature of their regular day-to-day interactions but that also sometimes go on big murder sprees? Hmm. I wonder where I could possibly find such a troop. Yeah, because I think the Raven Queen probably interested in such a pie. <laughs> so that's that's okay. basically my thinking. Like she has some sort of vague interest in the party. She sends the Shadakai out to go and, you know, get them, either with the purpose of stealing stuff from them that is significant to those characters, trying to kill them and bring them back to the Shadowfell. But basically 
the way I'm going to bounce the encounter all the time is it's going to be not a too difficult encounter. It's going to be like a party on party mm. sort of matchup. Um, but because they keep, you know, once they're killed, they come back, we can have them as a recurring villain. So I'm going to have one of them be like the face of the group and like who he comes with every time is different, but he's the guy that the party recognize as the recurring villain. Okay, so um, am I getting this right then? The Raven Queen is in charge of your party of revenants is that what's happening here no no sorry Jay. I'm, I'm i'm ignoring the revenants entirely sod the revenants okay I've, I've left them behind i'm going for a group of shadakai group of shadakai so that like like i said they're former elves they dwell on the shadow plane yeah uh, shadowfell and they do the raven queen's bidding so she's gonna send them out to rough up the party try and steal items of significance from them otherwise go for whichever in the party has the most dead parents and try and like focus fire down on them <laughs> with the goal of trying to bring them back to the Shadowfell. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'm with you then. And then because they are of the Shadowfell, they have that same property of you kill them and they just, you know, bounce back to their plane and go yeah. back to being grizzly. Yeah, so the Raven Queen, because they are, you know, in servitude to her, mm-hmm. she makes she ensures their souls are returned to the Shadowfell and they are immortal as a result. Like they do not fear death because they can't die. Well, yeah. they can, but of old age after about 500 years or something like that. So right, right. during their sort of like regular mortal lives, they can be killed and killed again and just keep coming back and they're not bothered. Okay, cool. Mm. So you've got a bunch of these Shadokai. You said one of them is going to be like the, the, the prominent recognizable one. Yeah, so, so that's, that's the thing. So it's like it's one guy. He's the main sort of antagonist. He's the recurring villain who's like does the dialogue with the party beforehand, tells yeah, them what's yeah, going yeah. on a little bit. They kill him and he comes back. They're like, oh, it's you again. You know, so, but who he brings with him, depending on how the fight goes, he can sort of tailor yeah, the group yeah. or what he brings to the table to, well, basically whatever the DM wants. But, yeah. you know, supposedly to try and defeat the OP thing from the party from the last battle. So that's very nice. Yeah. And also the interesting with Shadokai, uh, to sort of make this something that you can scale through the campaign, you can, I mean, there are a few Shadokai examples of monsters so you've got uh, right. like a it's level 7 level 9 and level 11 right so they're quite high levels yeah but you can also have shadakai as a playable race mm-hmm. so you could do like a party you could do like a hand like three rogues you know level one and just play them like that play them like player characters um to face off against the party or something nice but you can start at like really low level and like this guy can basically just level up as he goes along and change his entourage that's a particularly delicious little idea i like that Purely because, as you said, yeah, okay, so you, you, as a DM, have an opportunity to challenge your party time and time again because you know them inside out, or even to bringing a, a counterparty that would play to some of their strengths. So you give them one yes. or two of them the opportunity to do their super badass stuff that they maybe don't get to do that often. Mm-hmm. But because there's a, a story-driven reason why there's a different party of, of enemies this time. So, oh, you used a load of fire magic last time, so here I've brought somebody made of water or something with... Some 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 either hard counter or something that leans massively into their strength because your your Shadokai, your Shadow King has mm. misinterpreted it and cocked it up. But mm, I like it. Yeah, so exactly. And or he could better arm himself or defend mm. himself or, you know, if he knows from the last time that your wizard is gonna absolutely mess us up if he gets whatever spell off. Yeah. Then, you know, he ambushes them and casts silence over the wizard as like the first action. Basically, whatever works well last time, that's what he's going to try and snuff out first. Yeah. But ultimately, okay. it's just an excuse to do whatever I want in any combat <laughs> encounter. 
in that movement, then you've movement in that moment, you've kind mm. of countered my secondary question, which is how do you stop a recurring villain from just becoming dead? There are a few different things you could possibly do with a recurring character or someone that you think an antagonist to the party that doesn't necessarily end up with them being dead but in particular if you're going to enter combat usually that combat ends with a victory and it, the fact that these people can just you know poof back to the shadow fell yeah excellent and i saw it also as a bit of you could have this as a side plot like if the party's on their main quest and they know they're going to town x or they've got quest marker y or whatever <laughs> this is just these guys are basically just like irritants they just turn mm-hmm. up whenever they want throw down some combat and then they're all killed off because they're not going to flee. They're not scared of death. You know, like if they're captured, they'll take their own life or something. Yeah. And then they're just gone and out of mind, you know, and there's no way to go after them. Because what are you going to do? You're going to head to the Shadowfell and take on all of the Shadowfell? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I mean, firstly, how are you going to get there? That's going to be a big question. Mm-hmm. But then secondly, that place is so dangerous, there's no chance. Like, yeah. Especially if you're a low-level party. <laughs> so they can just turn up whenever they like. If you, know, if you feel like you need a bit of combat to break things up, drop him in. You know, and he's there. But again, like like I said, like as it as it levels up, as the party level up, you can just keep increasing that challenge rating that you're going to bash against them. Okay. You know who immediately comes to mind as you describe that? Who? Team Rocket. I also <laughs> thought Team Rocket. That's honestly that's one of the things I had in my mind when you asked me for a recurring villain. I was like, who's a recurring villain that keeps coming back? <laughs> just this idea of they're an irritant, a constant thorn in their side. I mean, okay, Team Rocket are always doing their own thing and they get thwarted that's a slightly different approach to a recurring villain mm. but just the way you're describing the fact that yeah, they turn up they're a thorn in the side and then they get defeated and go away that's the first thing that just popped back into my head yeah no i, I thought the same thing <laughs> and i thought about like how you could do that okay so we've got this like party of shadokai cool yep how would you play them unless i'm just imagining like a full campaign you know, one yeah. to twenty, you've got a big old epic going on, and these are cool. some recurring side plot. Cool. How would you play them? So, what I mean by that is, would you start them off as are they going guns blazing to try and perform the Raven Queen's bidding, or are they going to start off being, yeah, you know, are they going to be stealing things and low level petty crime almost, and then as they get further on, they become bigger and bigger deals? Or how, no. how do you how do you bring them in? They, they are going to come down, they're going to throw down, like, they're going to make it really clear, like, I want to kill you, pers- like, party member X or Y, or, like, the we've interpreted the Raven Queen's direction that you all must die, you know. Yeah. Um, and, like, have a little bit of dialogue at the start, like, you know, this is what's going to happen before just a straight-up attack, um, at which they will lose. And then, <laughs> you know, the party's like, what the fuck was that? You know, there's, there's going to be nothing clear on them. To denote, like to give many sort of indication of where they've come from. It's gonna be a bit, bit of a mystery to start with, and then the fact that the same guy comes back and he's visibly the same guy, and he's yeah. like, you know, you're not getting me this time. You know, I've I've learned your tricks. Mm. It's just gonna be the same again, but the way that the combat goes, or like his approach, like that character's approach to the combat's gonna be different. But because they're immortal, they don't fear death. Like there's there's, I mean, it can be sneaky. Fine. Like if that's if they, if that's a, an encounter I want to do, they're going to be ambushed or like they think they're going to be able to overpower this group because they're immortal. They can you know learn and become better. Whereas yeah. the party is once they're down, that's it. It's the end for them. They're not going to be clutched up by the Raven Queen in the same way. Sure. Would you give your party any forewarning? I'm just thinking. You said uh, she sends out her ravens or something. Yeah. Exactly that. So. These ravens that she sends out from the Fortress of Memories, which is her, like, 
main castle place. Yeah. These are sort of omens. They're, you know, cryptic messages that the Shadow Kai try to follow. And basically, the ravens, the way it describes them, like they basically lead the Shadow Kai or groups of Shadow Kai to places where travel between the planes is most easy. Yep. Shadow Kai will travel to whatever place that the Raven Queen sort of leads them to and then wait for some tragedy to strike. Because the Raven Queen mainly wants bad memories like sorrow and, and, and tragedy. And like you can say this can be anything from like um like a scorned lover or something like mm. quite petty to a betrayal or, or murder or something. So they'll turn up in a place and wait to see what's going on and like try to interpret what it is she wants. Yeah. So they're there laying in wait yeah. for the party, okay. wherever the party is. Because the Raven Queen's just like, go there, they'll turn up. Sure. Do you have then in mind the first encounter? Like, have you had to script it, or would you rely on player backstory? How would you make this first tragedy occur? Yeah, I think I would sort of tailor it to the party a bit. Like, as the DM, knowing that you know this character has a dark secret in their past that they don't want them to know about, or hmm. you know, dead parents. <laughs> You're at least going to have one person in the party who's not got like a, a happy-go-lucky character. So anything, anything sad, like Raven Queen followers, Shadow Kai, will be sort of waiting. Imagine, uh, so let's say, first encounter is just while traveling between places. Yeah. The party is sort of like setting up camp. Uh, they've noticed a few ravens, but why would they suspect anything? Because it's just like while they're sort of looking around while they're walking, or like they've heard cawing in the distance, or something, something to sort of like play it in a little bit without saying like, there are ravens, and now there are Shadow Kai. <laughs> right, so just just a sort of like flavour while describing wherever they are. And then they'll be very blatantly approached by this main Shadow Kai guy, mm-hmm. who's going to be the recurring villain, and a couple of his cronies. And they'll be like, whatever level the party is, say it's, say it's a party of four level twos or something, you know, it'll be like three level ones or something like to counter it, like relatively easy. Yeah. Um, let's say a rogue, a cleric, and a straight-up fighter. Yeah, like really simple. Those are the characters. They walk up and say, you know, you've been marked by the Raven Queen, addressing sort of like everyone quite broadly. There is great tragedy in you, like so, like implying they know already. Like they, okay. from their perspective, they've interpreted this sign that these people are what the Raven Queen wants. She wants the group for some reason. So something about them is miserable. Delightful. Yeah, without 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 knowing without knowing what. So yeah. sort of, but, but like the conversation, like they will talk as if they know. Like this sign, they've interpreted it so clearly and so precisely. Like this party is what we're after. Yeah, that's like dogma level. Like uh, you know, so he's talking like uh, amongst you is great f- pain and misery. Mm. We know this. It has been foretold. You must come with us, and then like assuming they're not going to come with them. The combat starts. Yeah. Would that be an option then? Like, come back with us? Um, I guess now I've said it out loud, it would be. Uh, yeah, no. don't, don't worry about it, this. But... <laughs> no, it can't be. No, it's not going to be an option. Basically, as soon as you step towards them, they draw their weapons. Right. But by come with us, they mean sacrifice your lives. Yeah, your soul is en route, and there's one way to get yeah. there, and it's at the exactly. end of my blade. You know, you're not accompanying us as our guest. You're coming with us as... <laughs> bodies that we're going to give to our yeah exactly like we are going to take you and all your possessions in case it's something you're on your person and deliver it to our queen Mm. but yeah the conversation will start like yeah come with us 
Um, yeah. So he can gank you in peace. Yeah. <laughs> and if they draw the weapons and the party still approaches them, then someone's going to get stabbed, and that's going to be combat starting. <laughs> yeah, that's a convenient way to get the initiative going. Yeah. So that's like the first encounter. Mm. I'm going to say that the two lackeys, they're not going to have any speaking parts. They're not, they're not as exciting. They're just Crab and Goyle. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's even more interesting than I was going to give them credit for, you know? But, uh, yeah, you could have Crab and Goyle. So we've got, we've got main lackey man and uh, Crab and Goyle. Crab's the cleric because C and C. Yeah. Goyle's the fighter. And then you've got to change the actor for one of them out because they do bad things in the public eye oh, towards the swap, end of the campaign. You just swap one of them out. It's like, rather than it being like a cleric and a fighter, it's like a cleric and a ranger, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I honestly didn't think about having recurring no, no, no. Why not? other characters. This was one villain, after all. This is the recurring villain, so okay. That's Yeah, so he's the one that's like, he's determined. Like, And after this first encounter with the party where he's been bested, he makes it then his mission that he's going to do this regardless. Like, yeah. you are who I'm after. And the Raven Queen keeps sending ravens to the party. Again, it's like, you subtly drop it in, so like you know, maybe they start suspecting it after a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he keeps turning up, and he keeps bringing different things with him from, you know, monsters that exist on the Shadow Plane, or perhaps mercenaries, you know, that he, if they're in a city oh, or something, yeah, you can, okay. like... You know, because basically, like, in the world of the Shadowfell, with... People bringing stuff there constantly. Mm. Like, there is stuff there. So, if he's going to be going out into the world for the Raven Queen, I could see how he'd be able to get his hands on some useful items or some wealth to be able to buy off mercenaries. I like that. Yeah, they're not just relying entirely on the. It's not. I keep using Lord of the Rings. They're not just using, like, the orcs they have at hand. This is someone with some intelligence and some gumption. To yeah. find alternative means to achieve their goal, and this your your core villain there is yeah, almost well, it is religious, isn't it? They are so mm-hmm. hell bent on achieving this purpose that like they've interpreted the sign. This is the truth. Get out of the way of my truth. Exactly. Mm. And the Raven Queen could even send him to the mercenary hiring place. You know, like that's where he appeared on the material plane. It's like this is a sign. You know, and it get, and then yeah. it leads him elsewhere. Like you could any. Anything you want him to do is just a sign from the Raven Queen, taking him to a place without giving him any instruction, and he interprets that as doing whatever I would like him to do. Gosh, gods are very convenient, aren't they? Gods are. I, I've not used gods enough in campaigns, and no. I wish that I had, because for all the things I've tried to think up, like genuine reasons or like motivations for NPCs and stuff, it's like, just give them a god. Say <laughs> that, they, they, that their god wants them to do it. God did it, like, yep. Done. <laughs> spoke to me in a dream yeah um, the way that my breakfast cereal landed in the bowl this morning means that i must do this <laughs> like it's all just divination of some sort yeah yeah yes gods are handy right what else you got <laughs> what else i got have you seen cobra kai not enough of it but oh. i'm familiar with the premise if there's any specific detail no i've only seen a few of the episodes basically i thought it's because I've binge-watched the latest season re- recently. Mm. But if we're having Shadow Kai, might as well make them Cobra Kai Shadow Kai. Why not? So, basically, I'm picturing that this main recurring villain is basically Johnny Lawrence. Okay. From the show, the main guy. Yep. Who, I love it. I think it's so cool that he's, like, the original guy from the original film. Mm. Like, that's really cool. But, um, anyway, yeah. I like him as a character. So... 
and I like, like all the crappy 80s references like you know it's badass yeah. like it's obviously pussies and so basically <laughs> the main guy the recurring villain is fantasy Johnny Lawrence oh okay so we've almost got like a whole 80s synthwave thing about them as well is that going to play into their character their speech and their style yeah I guess it could if I was fast enough to think of all that stuff but <laughs> I've I've basically drilled it like condensed his character down into three catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the actual character says "quiet" in a like a really strict way. So mm-hmm. I'm taking that, but I'm just changing it to "silence." And so whenever like the party starts like giving him jib, he's just like "silence." Okay. To Establish dominance. Yeah. Like he also says "badass" a lot, and I don't know. I couldn't. I don't. Can't really think of anything to go for badass, but I want something to like something to be good. So like he says, like just like in the middle of combat, like if someone does something clearly impressive, okay, it's like him to say sensational. <laughs> I know it's lame, right? He's like the Mortal Kombat announcer. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or the Quake announcer. The Quake. Oh yes, I'm trying to think of some Quake things now. I mean, they're all very specific, you know, butcher, multi-kill, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But that sort of over-the-top... It is. It's really sort of 80s macho, isn't it? Machismo. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that's it. It's all, it's all one word, just like directive. Like, so mm. he would call the, the party sissies rather than pussies. <laughs> wow. You know, it's like... But like, basically, it's, it's just something that he would say repeatedly over the course <laughs> of all these combats so that they would associate that with him. And it's not exactly it. what the character would say, but it's like these are the three things that he said ever. That I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm and you'd lock into, and you're like, "Oh, I said character. the thing." Like, Silence. Oh. Sensational. And sissies. I think it's wonderful. It's almost like he's a um, a high school movie villain, sort of. Mm. Yeah, you know, he's like he's like the bully, the jock, or the something. Like he's he's got some almost such limited depth that it's so clear the tropes you're drawing from that you don't need to embellish much further because anyone with a a bit of pop culture background will just have this bank of characters to draw and say, oh, they're like Prince Aldrin from Destiny. They're like mm. Kaniki from Greece. They're like, you know, you've got all these yeah. things to pull out of, of nowhere. Yeah. So, and I think that's quite juxtaposed. That's how he is in combat when it's like, now it's serious business compared yeah. to when he's talking about um, following prophecy and interpreting signs and wanting to return to the Shadowfell with the bodies of the party. Right. At which point I think he'd be quite eloquent and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay. Learned. What's uh, what's this dude's name? I faffed around with this. He's known as The Law. The Law. So I am mm. The Law. Okay, and then you fight The Law and The Law wins and... <laughs> the Law loses repeatedly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, he's just he's just like his 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 designation effectively is I am the law. Outstanding, such a douche. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, he's, he's got to be he's got to be interesting and stand out to be recurring. But you don't want him to be lovable and endearing to the party. Be like, you know, oh, he keeps coming back. Let's befriend him and oh, make him yeah. part of the group. The teddy bear of death. Nah. He wants to kill you and fuck your shit up. <laughs> All right. The law. What class is the law? Well. If he's going to be a karate kid, he's going to be a monk. Good. I'm glad you said that. Okay. So, yeah, he is a monk. And I think I'd probably make him Kensai monk so he can use actual weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so he could, he could like, generally be a monk and level up as he's going and, like, be kick-ass karate man. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like he just he brings with him whatever he wants to the party for fights. Brilliant. Oh, big fan. I, th- <laughs> I want to play against him. Yeah, I like that. There's just so many options with that, just as a concept to to spin it anyway. Hmm. But I think the way you've you've laid this out, you've the fact that they have this dogmatic approach to interpretation of the signs and just repeatedly throwing their carcasses at the problem until eventually mm-hmm. they succeed. Yeah, I like it. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's throwing himself repeatedly, but he's, like I said, I try, I try and make it at least look like he's trying to overcome the biggest obstacle from the previous fight. It's like he's, yeah. only, got, he's only got one encounter memory. You know, yeah. like if the wizard had a pretty quiet time the last time, he'll forget about him and he'll focus right. on what the biggest threat is the next time. You know, so if, if it is the barbarian, say, and they're raging and just soaking up a lot of hits, then in the next combat, he'll do something, you know, some sort of magic user with him that will displace the barbarian so he can focus down the rest of the group or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or psychic damage, play mm-hmm. on his uh, lack of resistance there. Yeah. Basically, he, like, he'll be more optimal the more times we fight him. Yeah, cool, okay. Because this concept is so rooted in in that religious tenacity of mm. finding the party, defeat the party, claim their souls, mm-hmm. is there any scope, do you reckon, for some character development? Just in general with like Shadokai, would you be able to turn them, for example? Would you be able to convert or convince them that they are wrong? I mean... if I wouldn't want to leave that entirely to the mercy of the dice. You can't say, natural 20, you no longer believe in your god, because Ooh. silliness. But do you reckon there's any sort of scope for causing them to... Because maybe they keep fighting the party and they keep losing. Maybe that's a sign. Yes, I get that. Okay, so let's say then, say, say that the party for some reason wants to try and convince him that he's wrong in his quest to kill them. Like, you know, the fact that he keeps failing is, a, yeah, as you say, a sign that... That's obviously not the intention of the Raven Queen. Yeah, okay, let's throw it out then that maybe he's looking for some memory that he can extract from the party or some item of significance and he could mm-hmm. be bartered with. Yeah, okay. So the party could try to persuade him that something they're trying to give him, rather than, rather than combat, you know, like, you know, tr- what about this? This is the head of X or Y thing that we, uh, you know, killed in the last section. Yeah. Or, you know, this magical item, you know, if they're willing to give up a magic item, which <laughs> I can't really imagine too much. But maybe, let's say, like, they really just, like, take a shine to him and they want to try and, like, give him something. Yeah. Try and give him a magic item that has some significance and tell him, like, they found it in this or that tomb, you know, and try and explain its significance to him. And then, I guess, if you were to have that, you could have it be sort of them trying to sell in the idea. And I guess as a DM, then you could make them roll persuasion Mm -hmm. but you could equally just like let them talk and like you know not saying anything to get them to say more yeah try and explain why this is the best fucking magic plus one sword you've ever seen yeah and because they don't have death as a threat you don't have that same hold as you would over anyone else as a great big martial adventuring party here to ruin someone's day like okay Mm. fine just do it i'll come back with bigger guns you know yeah Hmm. But yeah, like so, yeah. On the, so he could be, he could be potentially bought off with some item of significance. So like, especially if you had like a sentient weapon, say, yeah, that'd yeah. be big plus for him. An item that formerly belonged to anyone of any historical significance or anything that's linked to a great tragedy. So so if you had the character whose parents were killed by the bugbear, 
and mm-hmm. that character had exacted his revenge and carried around some item that belonged to the bugbear or if it or if he had a letter like the last thing he has written of his parents or something like uh, anything okay, of something of importance like that yeah yeah he could be bought off with that item you know and he would leave the party and return to the shadowfell only to return again in a few sessions time because the ravens are still drawing him to the party mm. and then you know basically they can try and buy him off every time and give him stuff and he you know if they persuade him suitably he'll take it and if not he they'll have a combat and he'll come back again so yeah i guess that's that's one way you could have it then you're in the realm of why are they not just going to cooperate with him fully and go with him that's a path i'd like to go down in a bit yeah Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Yeah. Okay. So why would they not just think, okay, let's go to the Shadowfell? I guess they could. If he has a means of traversing the plains, they could go with him. And if, yeah, sod it. Why not? Let's go to the Shadowfell. Let's go and see how bloody horrible and terrible it is. And you can have uh, the law, you know, be your guide <laughs> in the Shadowfell. Mm. Um, you could go to the sort of horrible desolate place it is with these sort of like small towns and villages of Shadokai who... Yeah. Well, I guess... Oh, that'd be interesting. So, the Shadokai in the, in any of the other planes, they they look young, youthful and healthy. Yes, yes. When they return to the Shadowfell, they look old and withered. And Decrepit that's like... like they're, swollen, yeah. yeah. Corpsey. Exactly, because the, um, the Raven Queen is sort of drawing her energy from a lot of the Shadokai. Yeah. So, as soon as they tra- went through the portal with the lore... He would visibly change, so you, yeah, that's cool. But yeah, let's say so. They go, they go. They like he takes them to where he lives, and he shows them the stuff they've given him in the past or whatever. <laughs> so then his goal is to take them to the Fortress of Memories, which I guess you could have as be a massive journey to sort of put the party off doing it. Yeah, um, I guess it depends. Do you want? Do we want to actually go through with it and get them an audience with the Raven Queen? Yeah, like if your party doesn't understand the consequences of what they're going into here, this could be quite a a sobering quest. Yeah. Hang on. Look, I've just had a, another ping here with this to allow you some time for the cogs to tick. The law's hmm. taken party back to the Shadowfell. When the law is in the material plane, he is, and with, with the band of people that he brings with them, he is a uh, an, an enemy, a foe, but also like a clear antagonist and almost like one of a kind. Mm-hmm. You take the law to the Shadowfell, all of a sudden he's back in his society. So does he have a standing? Is he is he a massive joke? Is he trying to like gain favour with the Raven Queen or atone <laughs> for some sins? Is it actually that he's just some washed up throwback that the rest of the Shadow Kyle like, oh god, it's on the bloody law. Yeah, maybe they have the law as being like an ironic name because he has no standing. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that 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 reflects also with Johnny Lawrence, doesn't it? He's a bit of a wash up and a bit right? of a loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, let's say then that's why n- no one else returns. Like everyone else follows the the, the signs once, you know, to, to to go with him, whatever whatever Shadokai or or ah um, uh, like yeah, okay, okay. But then because they keep because he keeps failing, the others think that he's a bit of a joke and maybe he had status before and now he's lost it and that's why he's sort of clinging to this like no you know I've, i'm in too deep now this is my white whale yep that's it no one else wants to get tarred with that brush so they'll come along for one ride thinking it's a good job it goes wrong you think right i'm not going out with the law again mm. like he's <laughs> he's following the worst ravens like those are the gabby <laughs> ravens that no one wants <laughs> 
these are actually crows. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a fun yeah. way to spin, especially if they've gone, you know, come to the Shadowfell, I'm taking your souls. And they go, okay. You know, yeah. um, was not anticipating this motion. So. <laughs> okay, so let's let's anticipate then. So we go, he yeah. goes back and everyone's aware of him because he's a, he's a bit of a joke, he's a bit of a wash-up and, and he's failed so many times in trying to get them to go previous. But then now when he goes, every, like you can't see it because their faces are old and decrepit, but like yeah. there's admiration for the fact he's done it. Like he's succeeded finally. And like he's sort of walking around like with his tail up. Um Here are your Moby Dicks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How how's it going with that uh, group of halflings, uh you know <laughs> other character? Oh, still try, still try. It's like, well look what I got. <laughs> Just another day at the office. Pretty sensational. You <laughs> sissy. Um, he's such a knobhead <laughs> yeah well this is I think you know pride comes before a fall I think he yeah. is someone that is a lot of front and is a lot of sort of posturing and, and you know wanting to come especially the party because they don't know he's a like he's a joke no, like, no 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 unless unless you would have one of the other characters sort of like drop that in conversation somewhere like they see I mean he's called the law he turns up he's like beyond death um, yeah you see what I mean? When he's in the material plane, he is a big old dude. He's a beast. He's a force to reckon with. And to this party, he's a, he's a reasonably difficult encounter, repeatedly, yeah. and he won't leave him alone. Get back to the shadow plane, and yeah, he's a bit of a joke, but like he's sort of like not admitting it. He's like fake, like fake it to make sort of thing. Like, you know, these people like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, jokers. Like, yeah, you don't know, but I'm, I'm a big deal around here, so. They wish they could fight with the law. Listen to what they say, bunch of sissies. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So, like, and let's say then, so they arrive back in Shadowfell, and this is a because he's got such low status. This is a long way. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a hefty, bloody journey in an attempt to deter the party from actually wanting to go. If they do want to go, then old the law is going to become an NPC companion for them till they get there. And I say mm. that they're going to come across all the horrible nasties of the Shadowfell. Yep, this is full on walk to Mordor level of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good comparison. Like, it's a bleak landscape. It's rocky. There are monsters. Like, there's not much in the way of life or anything. Um, and you've got this like corpse-like blonde-haired guy guiding you. Yeah. Who keeps talking about how things used to be better? <laughs> okay, so that's that's then like out in the wilderness and like encounters, and you could like throw up any sort of old sort of crypts or. Uh, tombs or anything on the way if you want to. Like, this, this is becoming much bigger than a recurring film. Like, this is now when they're sort of buying into the side quest. Yeah, I realise I've dragged us off the path a bit. It's fine, because I guess I guess this detour, as long as your main campaign isn't time-sensitive, yeah. it's fine. I mean, you could, even, you could even sell it in as, if that was a thing that the party came up with, you could say that time moves differently on the Shadowfell. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so like, you know... They're basically fey. Yeah, like... It's, for you, it's been like three weeks since I saw you last, but for me, it's been five years. I've been training, practicing, and that's why I've leveled up so much. Ah. So, you know, if you were to come with me, we'll go to the Forge Memories and back. We'll be gone a few weeks there, but it's only be like a couple of hours here, so let's go yeah, to the Shadowfell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That explains that. And then you've got to plan a session for the Fortress of Memories, and that's going to be interesting. That's a toughie for a DM, yeah. Why does this god want to meet you and... What would the outcome of it be? Because yeah. you, if if you want to just walk away, then a deity can say no and stop that. Thinking about the Raven Queen, I, I said this earlier when they first arrived. Yeah. So the 
Raven Queen has sort of like dominion over all the Shadowfell, and she's aware of who's in her domain. Yes. And she can create pocket dimensions built from the memories of characters. Mm-hmm. So if we're going back to, you know, little Jimmy whose parents were killed, and now he's an adventurer, as soon as they arrive in the Shadowfell, they could appear in a place that looks like the place that his parents were killed on the day they died. And he oh, has to relive that wow. and all the parties there. So you, you can do a lot of interesting things with, like, the player's backstories if you go to the Shadowfell. That's very nice. That's a good way to work a couple of things in. Yeah. It turned it into a few different sessions of, yeah, fighting your own demons. Hmm. Manifest your, yeah. Oh, manifest your own trauma as a demon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the lo- <laughs> like so it's, it's the party's there and the lore is there with them. And it's like, this is where you grew up. Sucks. <laughs> like, just, like, like playing if play lifting down like is that you crying over there pussy okay so yeah so so god this it's much bigger now so yeah you get to the shadow fell you get to uh, maybe maybe it's not all at once maybe like you sort of dot it around during these sort of like travels through the otherwise boring and dangering wilds that you have yeah. a session or, or you know a, a, a sort of side bit in a session where you revisit some traumatic event from one of the player characters pasts or maybe something that they didn't think of as traumatic. I'm thinking now, like, um, if you okay. had if you had something happen in a session that the players were all like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, but really that's, like, pretty damn horrible. Like, hmm. I don't know, the way that they killed some person they thought was a bad guy, that actually just a regular person. Like, he was yeah, just in the wrong okay, place at okay. the wrong time. Reliving his sort of day, he's like, you know, going about his day, da, 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 like... Oh, you know, we're going to do a bit of bit of bouncer work at this place. You know, come down tonight for the extra cash. Yeah, sure, why not? He turns up and he's there, like, oh, here's a sword. Like, hold this. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And then, like, sneak attack the rogue, like, slice his throat, and that's the end of little Jimmy. Yeah, you could do some cool stuff with that then, because you wouldn't have to. Okay, you take an event that happened in the in the campaign, play mm. it from an NPC's point of view. But yes. when it's almost like the pl- the player characters have an opportunity to atone for that moment, especially if they recognize it. So they maybe they're, they're far away and they can see a, a shadowy-looking rogue approach. And it's not their character, but it's they, they might identify the party makeup or they may be just like shadows, like geists or something, mm. coming towards little Timmy or Bouncer first day on the job and they have an opportunity to intervene and save his life or go in, get into combat against this pseudo-party of, of ghosty yeah. things and actually just like, atone for that moment. You could have them fight themselves. That could be a way that you could have a party versus party fight. Yeah. Or what? Would you make them play themselves as well? No, no. So like, they're their own characters, right? They're, they're yeah, them yeah, yeah. re-experiencing that scenario that now, through narrative, has been portrayed as a completely different story. Like, you fought mm. the, this regular NPC who's not a bad person, just a regular person, but for yeah. whatever reason, he's come up against the party and died. Sure. And you give the party the opportunity to stop that from happening... By engaging in a party versus party By stopping combat, themselves, yeah. in which case they have to go through that combat against themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be really funny. Right? Because you'd be playing, you know, you'd see your compositions are... Let's stick to the ones we had before, you know, like fighter, rogue, cleric. Let's keep it as three because it's easy to sure. keep track of. Yeah, you, they are just shadowy versions of those classes manifesting themselves in the way that they play out. But yeah, up until that point, you're just reciting the narrative. The rogue comes along, they get into position, there's a distraction mm-hmm. from someone and they call it out and then the rogue slices the th- Or they can intervene or they can you know, chuck a dagger in or do, do something to start initiative that would ultimately save Ghost Timmy. And, yeah. Mm, fun. Very fun. 
Okay, I hadn't thought about this. There's lots. No, 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 no. This is this is wild, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So so aside, so you could have you could have dramatic events from their own past. You could relive things from the campaign from a different perspective. What else could we do? We could. I mean, it's all about tragic memories. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the idea of of picking one sort of. I mean, especially if we go back to your idea of uh, that, that we've talked about briefly before about knife theory. And think mm. of like one of those nights being some great tragedy in your life, or some uh, moment of sorrow, or some you know. Yeah, being lactose intolerant. Yeah, the memory of first <laughs> discovering your lactose intolerance. Yeah, um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe the Raven Queen's not so interested in that, but like something, something of you know, emotional value. The Dairy Queen more interested, but the Raven Queen no. <laughs> the Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you if you've got those knives from the party and like one of those knives that you snuck in is like some great tragedy you could play through all of those scenes with that character or with the whole party like say everyone's there but maybe like sort mm. of infer to the person whose memory it is like mention something that makes it clear to them it's their memory so yeah. they can be sort of prompted to take the lead in that situation yeah and have them react and see if they could change the court but you can't change the course of history because that's the sad thing so why is the Raven Queen doing this? Is she trying to deter the party? Or is she trying to convey a message, get some more servants? What's her does she have an endgame? So she's supposedly like just bat shit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> her wants she's supposed to be like she's described as being supposedly insane. Like it talks in the book about like how great wizards think that she's, you know, just off the walls and doesn't really have a point or anything that she truly wants. Um, and that those that interpret her signs and signals, you know, they're clutching at straws because she hasn't got any great wants, really. She's just so erratic. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the one, like, yeah, you could have that be the thing and, like, fine, but that doesn't really pay off for the party then going through all this extra effort on a side quest. It's got to be something, no. something punchy at the end. So, let's say, because your party are such edgelords, she wants <laughs> to take these memories away from them. So she has them because, like, her whole thing is like possessing souls of and memories and stuff, like fortress of memories. That's where all the memories go. So mm-hmm. she wants them to. I mean, they relive them on the way, and when they get there, finally, um, I don't think they're going to meet with the Raven Queen because, like, meeting a god's a big deal. Yeah. But they will meet some like lower wizards or priest types at the fortress. Maybe, maybe not even inside. Uh, who will address law and they'll discuss what's going on. Who in Fallout Boy style will say thanks for the memories and then <laughs> <laughs> So like they'll, they'll like he'll basically like, you know, this is what I've brought, you know, this is what the Raven Queen wants, and they'll like ha- they'll offer to the party to extract their memories, like these terrible tragedies, so that they're not burdened by them anymore and give the party the chance to relinquish these from the past. And then the characters have a chance to either say, Yeah, you know, like I wanna move on or if they feel that that's so core to their being and their motivation, they can hold on to it. Would that get the law off their backs, so to speak, if they no longer had the memory that's caused the Raven Queen to pursue them in the first instance? Would that be a way to like resolve the, the side quest? Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, so once, once he's you know, taken them all to that place and delivered something, mm. as far as he's concerned, done the job. You know, the signs have led him to this point, he's done it all. Mission complete. Sensational. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So he's he's done it, and then like you know the people there have some way of transporting the party back rather than walking all the way, and and you know that's you could have that be the end of the law, like the law is not seen or heard from again. Yeah. Equally, you could have him turn up now, either again as an antagonist later when like the signs draw him back, or have him turn up as a friendly NPC. You know, now when he's drawn to the party following these signs, it's there because he feels like the party has some part to play in the Raven Queen's plans. Mm-hmm. So he's there to assist them in like a moment of great need or something. You know, because I'm assuming by now, like having gone through this journey with him and, and like had him sort of like quipping all the way through their memories and like, you know, belittling them stuff that the party really like this guy now. Yeah. So having him turn up to fight to face the big bad guy, like that'd be a nice little little addition, like throw him back in there. Like this is your this is your payoff for having taken the time to do the side quest, you get yeah. the law helping out when he fancies. Tangent. Yeah. I've had a thought. Just a, this is a complete different reason. So okay, this, we've like rewind to the point where the party decides to go with with the law. Yep. I was thinking of another thing you could do with this. What if it was I like bringing in pop culture references because I think it helps like place or plant my ideas in other people's heads a bit better. Yeah. What if the Raven Queen is not after a memory or a a particular tragic event? from the past what if this is like mm-hmm. minority report style raven queen knows that your party is going to defeat your your big bad but yep. the big bad is going to be a wonderful source of tragedy in the future so she wants to prevent the party from ever getting powerful enough to defeat the big bad Ooh. and that's why the law is there so it's almost like well it's like thought police isn't it that's sort of like before you commit the the crime as it were of defeating the bad guy they are yeah, constantly set upon by the law in an attempt to stop them ever getting powerful enough or close enough to allow them okay. to be, the big bad to be defeated so that mm. some horrible climactic event could occur. This is just me thinking of another reason for why would you keep sending the same person back and constantly try and fight them. So it, it might not be so much of a come to the Shadowfell, but more of a uh, a campaign driving moment. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you could do that. Um, and that could be the Raven Queen's ultimate goal. But given that she sort of operates in such a mysterious way, this is not known to the law. Mm. But yeah, I guess all these sort of small interruptions, like the extra rest and recuperation and sort of slowing them down, it could absolutely accelerate, like the butterfly effect, you know? Like oh, it's, I hadn't it's, even thought of it like that, yeah. Um, it's, 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 I'll tell you not, I thought, I thought that's what you meant. No, no so, so I meant more like we, the Raven Queen wants to kill the party so they can't defeat the bad guy and then the bad guy can, you know, just destroy an entire city and create a wonderful tragic moment for her to yeah. harvest later. But you, this idea is more of a, by constantly sending interruptions, you're stalling them rather than killing them outright. Well, I mean, if, if she wants to kill them, great. But like, if she can't, <laughs> then she's at, she's at least uh, delaying them, you know, and that way you mm. could always play out as... You know, if the party's just a bit late, if they hadn't had all the interruptions, you know, would something have been a bit different? Would the bad guy not quite have finished the ritual or whatever, you know? Maybe. I mean... But then a double irony being, because of having these extra difficult combat encounters with the law and his band of not-so-merry folks, mm. they are getting stronger. They're getting, you know, if you're playing an experience kind of campaign yeah. especially, they are getting stronger. They're levelling up. They are hitting other milestones or something. So, yeah, twist of fate... The Raven Queen's plan is actually hindering herself as well. Well, who knows? Maybe she's playing at both sides. You know, she's Whoa. she's letting up the party so, so they can <laughs> defeat the big bad, but 
she's slowing them down enough that the big bad gets off a big part of his attack first. So she gets the yeah. double payoff of the bad thing happens and then also the party kill that guy. Let's go another layer deeper. <laughs> she makes the party strong enough that they can fight the big bad because knowing that that fight happening with such powerful party and such a powerful foe will inherently destroy a city because someone's going to get Kamehameha the floor or something and tear the city apart. So she knows she's going to sow tragedy by just having these two superpowers exist. You then have to have your big bad, like the big confrontation happen in a really public place yeah, where you have the option to do a lot of collateral damage. Yeah, I'm thinking like Godzilla level destroy the city sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big bad of the campaign. It's like the party's traveling to wherever far away and it's just because they want to fight Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bugger off the law. We have to fight fantasy Godzilla. Like, <laughs> as like radioactive blasts fly across the sky. He's still another three sessions away. That's a disintegration beam waiting to happen. Is he just like swallowed a beholder and that's it? Like <laughs> he coughs him up after the fight. He's like, "Oh, thanks for that." Oh, I had a real frog in my throat. Yeah. Oh, that really, really put the sour mood in me. <laughs> this entire campaign is an advert for Gavaskar. <laughs> I think that's been a fun little divergence from your original plan of recurring villain, but I, I like the way that's gone. You can do both. You can still have him be the recurring villain, and then the. Yeah. Sort of uh, the side quest opens up as a, as an option later down the line. Mm. And that's it, depending on how your party respond to it, or just how you want to do it. It can either play into your overall story arc, or it can just be a completely independent side quest where they remove the thorn that is the law from their side by going and giving away their memories. But in doing so, they're giving away a, a piece of themselves. There'd have to be a reason to do it. I mean, maybe the, the reward is the law stops following you and pissing you off all the time but it maybe maybe there's like a, a proper penalty to losing a part of yourself i i don't know if it'd be a penalty i think it'd be sort of like it, the idea of of having a weight lifted okay. you know this, if this if this is such a traumatic thing in your past losing this would sort of free you up to be a bit more i don't know less harsh of a character would you do something to the cat? Would you like bestow a feat upon them of some description, or would you give their give that character some sort of boon for having gone through? Basically, like a reward yeah. for the side quest, because maybe the loot isn't on the on the cards. Although yeah. the Shadowfell full of cool loot. Just thinking, like for this journey, you've done a thing. What is the result of the thing? You know. Yeah, I think I think there would definitely be some loot afterwards, but I yeah. wouldn't make it clear they're getting that until after everyone who has decided to give something has. So like. There's no knowledge of it beforehand. Like it's it's basically yeah. you have the option to to give up part of your character, and then the players can decide whether that's something their character would do or not. They've got that sort of like internal decision. And yeah, I think okay. after everyone's done it and had this like I'm think, I'm imagining like a pensive, you know, like like mm. drawing this memory out into a vial or something. After everyone's done that, who wants to do that? I think. And tell me what you think about this. I think I would probably okay. give them a stat increase, either plus one charisma or plus one wisdom. Yeah, okay. The idea that this sort of like this this sort of mental clouding has been cleared slightly. Or I'd give them advantage on saves or something, something in that order. Yeah, you could do that as well. Yeah, but I feel like like a plus one isn't isn't a lot. It's not that much, is it? No, it's, it's only going to take half your characters into the next tier. Yeah, and if you're playing, you know, sort of optimum build and you've got everything uh, rounded up yeah, to a, a new yeah. number, maybe it's going to tempt <laughs> you to round up that number afterwards to the next level. I don't know. Mm. I, th- I, th- 
I think I'd, I'd give like a small boon like that, and then also I'd, I'd dish out some items. So like from the vaults, the Raven Queen of all the things that have been collected and returned that have like value, I feel mm. like I would I would give some of that stuff to the party. Like everyone gets an item that is something for them, like maybe class specific or um, something that you know the law as a companion of these guys now and and you know repeated adversary knows that that will serve them well. Yeah. Okay, and if you could tie it in with the traumatic event that you pocket dimension them out of, all the better. Maybe not something from mm. that specific event, but if you knew it was a, you had to intervene in a, a throat cutting incident. Here's a cool dagger, <laughs> or a neck brace, <laughs> or a neck brace. <laughs> Here's a really stiff collar to protect you from neck slicing. Yeah, and he's really deadpan about it. Like this is a really good thing that's going to help you. Like it's made of very strong metal. <laughs> It's a sensational mm. neck piece. <laughs> oh, that's it, and they're all called the sensational something. Actually, I don't know if I like sensational. Maybe, maybe you just like keep it as badass, like and uh, pussies, and like use the actual lines from the character. Yeah, okay. Lean into it a bit more. You, sometimes, the, I suppose the references need to be obvious so they can be picked up on. Yeah, I like just hearing myself say it. It's like it doesn't mean anything. Just saying, I'm no. saying badass. Like badass is so clearly from that era. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah, like a nice neck brace, which gives you. Plus two AC to neck-based attacks. Yeah. Makes your fighter in particular resistant to having their throat cut in bed. <laughs> well, Jake, well. Mm, who would that happen to? I do also like the idea that the law is going to turn up at the end of the story and be a good guy and sort of turn yeah, okay. up to aid the party in some way. I like that sort of thing in a campaign, like make friends along the way, as it were, and bring them all in at the end and you know, kill a few of them, maybe. Yeah, well, he's got the full arc. Like, he started out as the adversary and he's turned into the, you know, a real big plus now in this final battle. So. Yeah. The Law felt his essence reassembled once more upon the Shadow Plane. He felt the area on his neck where the sword had landed and, as expected, felt nothing there, as always. The old swordsman had proven that he was pretty quick for his age. He'd remember that. This was the third time that he had encountered this band of losers on the material plane, and though through his long life he had experienced supposed deaths and been returned to the Shadowfell multiple times, with these latest failures he was growing less and less sure that the Raven Queen would welcome him back. The successors of his youth seemed far away, his ability to interpret the Raven Queen's signs and follow them to glory in her name was waning. Each time he reformed, it was further and further from the town of Las Angeles. Another sign from her, perhaps, that she no longer thought he was badass as he used to be? Or maybe a test of his faith? As he contemplated this latest failure, he looked around at the barren wasteland. He could see the light of town against the purple-grey sky, and started walking back. As he neared his dojo, he could hear already the sounds of his apprentices from inside. Each of them that had accompanied him had fallen, with the law being the last of the group to be brought down. It was no surprise that they had reconvened before him. He paused for a moment before the dojo entrance to listen to their conversations, and was disappointed to hear that the level of squabbling and bitching coming from the group. Whiny little babies. He sighed and reflected on himself at their age, fiery, 
Ambitious. They need a confidence boost, he thought. If the Raven Queen wills me to confront this group again, I'm going to need all the help I can get. They need to be focused, confident, winners. The Lord puffed out his chest and held his head high as he calmly walked into the dojo, around the group of arguing Shadokai, and to the front. He waited for them to see him and fall in line, but the group continued to bicker. Quiet! Silence fell. You should be proud of yourselves. I know I'm proud. Your parents would be proud too if you told them what we did here today, which we won't. You've all learned to strike first, to be aggressive, to not be losers. I've taught you to strike hard, to put every ounce of your power behind everything you do. But I haven't taught you the third rule of Sharukai. No mercy. The older you get, the more you're going to learn that life isn't fair. You wake up one morning feeling great, and then life throws a spinning heel kick into your balls and takes a big steaming shit in your mouth. You fail in a test. You get cast down. You follow some sign from the Raven Queen, then some other dude comes and steals the glory from themselves. Your cart gets set on fire. Just when you think things are going good, everything falls apart. That's how it goes. Life shows no mercy, so neither do we. We do whatever it takes to keep our heads above water. We do whatever it takes to keep moving forwards. We do whatever it takes to win. Remember who you are. You're badass. You don't give a shit. You kick ass. You're Shadokai. I don't think I've got any more questions. So Good. In that case, I have done all of the planning. Everything's in there. There's nothing you need to know. Perfect. I guess with that then, um, all that remains for this is for you to reveal the prompt for next week. Yes. Let me just grab my monster manual. Ooh. A critter. Monster manual, page 274. Yeah. A green slard. How would you green run that? Slard. Cool. Magic froggy boy. Yeah. Froggy, shape-changey... Dude. Cool. All right. Um, I'm going to have a little think on that and come back to you next week. Fantastic. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of our D&D podcast, How Would You Run That? Please give a like, a subscribe, wherever it is you get your podcasts. In particular, it'd be great if you could leave us some comments on iTunes and voice notes on the Anchor platform, anchor.fm. Spread the word, and we'll speak to you again next week. Thanks, everyone. Catch you later.